You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. And I want to just make mention that we have everything that we teach on podcasts free of charge. So if you want to keep up with what's going on at Light of Today, touch your neighbor and shake them and say, download the podcast. Amen. John chapter 3 and verse number, it's called the Light of Today with Chris Palmer. Okay, John chapter 3 and verse, excuse me, John 4, John 4 and verse number 23. And this is what Jesus said, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers, anyone here a true worshiper? I suppose if I asked that question to any group of pious people, they would say, Amen. But let's find out what Jesus had to say about worship. He said, And now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. And then He tells you a little bit later on that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I want to talk to you tonight. We're going to continue our series in worshiping the way that God desires to be worshipped. How many of you have spent time in quality worship of the Lord this week? You lift your hands and you say, God, I worship you and God, I praise you and God, I honor you. And I, you know, you, you worship God. Your life is going to start transforming when you do that. I want to say this as we go into what we have for tonight is that I want to speak particularly on the subject that worship has to be spirit driven. Turn to your neighbor and say, Worship is spirit driven. Many people, when it comes to worship today, as I've said in the past, they fail in coming before the Lord in their worship because they don't quite see or understand how to separate the difference between worship that comes from the natural and worship that comes from talent and that worship that is being led and governed by the Holy Spirit. And you might say to me, well, Pastor, why, you know, why is it important? And that's simply because you've been given the help of the Holy Spirit in your life for everything that you do, and He's God, and He knows how God desires to be worshipped. And so if he knows what is pleasing to God or himself or to the Father, if he knows that, his job is to lead and to teach and to instruct you what is going to be pleasing to God. So any time that we come before the Lord, whether it be personally or whether it be corporately, the person that we have to depend on to teach us how to bring appropriate presence and how to bring appropriate honor and reverence to God is the Holy Spirit. When we're worshiping God, are you with me tonight? We are not seeking from the Lord an aesthetic experience that is kind and touching to our emotions and gives us fuzzies. We're not seeking something that is outwardly brilliant. We're seeking, if you're writing notes that you could put this down, your worship is you're seeking to touch the heart of God. Hello, somebody. You say, why is it that we come before the church and we want to sing two or three songs in the beginning, is it just because we need something to heat the service up and get people's attention? That's not why we're doing it. We come to the house of God. 
Because our singing is something that touches God's heart. So do you know what that means now when we're talking about worship? That worship should be singing to God and not just singing about God. Oh, that's good right there. I said worship should be singing to God and not just singing about God. And if you're going to sing a song about God, you still sing it to God. That means that you don't sing it to the people that are around you. I see today performances that people put on, and it's just that. It's a performance. It's just a performance. And when you're performing, the problem is everybody can see you and nobody can see God. I'm tired of people doing everything to be seen of men but not seen of God. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Christian performers. If long as you understand that the Christian performer is not bringing glory to the Lord. Amen. Right? I mean, I don't have a, listen, I'd far better be a Christian performer singing about God than, singing, than, than, than somebody up on the stage singing about drugs and alcohol. I don't have problems with the Christian performer as long as you understand it doesn't qualify as worship to the Lord. What qualifies as worship to the Lord is the most important thing, and we're going to see it tonight, is a person's heart. Amen, somebody. All right, go with me to Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 3. Someone say, sing unto the Lord. Oh, that's good, sing unto the Lord. Yes, so you say, what are we doing when we come to worship on Sunday morning after hearing this sermon? You should come here and be ready to sing unto the Lord. And you're going to see in just a second that singing unto the Lord is not something that we just do inside of church. Singing unto the Lord is something that you can do in the shower. You can do it in your car. You can do it in the bathroom stall at work. Praise God. Some of y'all go on your phones. Sing unto the Lord. Amen. I ain't going to be gross tonight. This ain't amends. Okay. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. F- verse number 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Someone say rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice that would require worship. You know, we rejoice in so many things sometimes. We rejoice that our, that our uh, you know, that, you know, we got a promotion at work. We rejoice f- for a lot of reasons. But rejoicing in the Lord simply means rejoice because of the Lord. Amen, Amen someone. Amen. Rejoice because of the Lord. Rejoice because of what he's done. Oh, rejoice. You should come into the service. And, you know, when you consider what God's done and you come in a service, you could come in church. And if, if you have a revelation of what he's done, you should have some dancing in your feet. You should be joyful. We should be happy. Some Christians aren't happy. They're always serious. <laughs> no, get happy. Rejoice. Be happy. God's done good things for you. I've never seen those good things. Well, then it's time to wake up and see them. God's done good things for us. My God, we should be happy. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have to wait to get to Starbucks in the morning to be happy. You should be happy right now because God has done good things for you. Amen. Well, what's he done? Well, pick up your Bible, dust it off, and find out. <laughs> I don't know what God's done for me. Haven't read the Bible in five months. You go every time you go into the Bible, there's a good thing that God's done for you. Every time you turn to a scripture, you find out that no matter what that scripture says, God is some there in there fighting for you doing something, working something good for your purpose. Well, I'm in Amos. Well, somehow God's doing something good for you. And it should be something that you should rejoice because of. Amen. All right. That's, uh, that, uh, I could just close my Bible now and say, well, see you later. You got something, right? I may do that to you right now, just to set off some of those long-winded nights. Amen. 
So he preached, you know, on average, he preached an hour, an hour and a half, and five minutes. So the average will be lower, right? Just either. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. It's interesting, just let me stop here in verse number two. Paul says, beware of dogs. Notice what he calls the enemies of God. I think sometimes we think that, that the, the Bible is just a bunch of nice guys walking around. If you think that, you have some studying to do. <laughs> that doesn't mean you have the right to go around calling everyone dogs, but something to be said about when you find a, a rebellious opponent, you know, you need to make it clear that this is an enemy of God. There's nothing wrong with saying, well, I'm not going to go there tonight. Let me go here. Okay, verse number three. For we are it, the circum for that we are the circumcision which worship. Oh, we're talking about worship right now. Yeah, okay. Which worship God in the spirit. Now let me just. Uh, can I give to you? Some, you know, I, I I go to get education. I should pay for some. I should use some of the education that I pay for. Right. Right. Yep. All right. Well, I will. My my Greek professor would be proud. This where it says here we worship in the spirit. The Greek is en to pneuma. Uh, and it's a special tense in the Greek called the dative. The dative means to something. And the dative has different usage. There's the locative, there's the associative. This would be an associative dative. Look at this, me being smart tonight. Oh my gosh. It's basically simply meaning that when it says in the spirit, you can either be in the locative form. See, now this is Bible study, so we're going to get deep tonight, okay? The locative form means it binds you to something. But just because the word in doesn't necessarily mean it binds you to it, it's also used in an associative sense. Usually when you see the word in Christ, it's the associative sense. You are associated with Christ. you in him, but in him through the association that you have with Christ. Now watch this. Worship him in the spirit is the dative of association, which you don't know what that means, but I'm going to tell you what it means. It simply means that you worship in association with the Holy Spirit. So watch this. It's not worship. Oh, this is powerful. If the Spirit of God is not associated with what we're doing, then it's not worship. And if you start doing things in the flesh, we're going to see the Holy Spirit will disassociate himself from what we're doing. Am I, am I just preaching to the wall tonight? Are you with me, Star? Amen. Amen. So someone say, association with the Spirit. Okay, that's good. And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. When we come to worship, the moment we start worshiping God, I'm going to tell you what starts to happen. We become unaware of our flesh. You know, when you're at that, when, you're, when it comes time to worship and we all get together in the church, first things that happen is the Holy Spirit starts getting into what we're doing with us. Our heart's in the right place. I'm just teaching about the Spirit tonight. The heart's in the right place. Holy Spirit says, oh, I see their hearts. I see they want to worship me. They have come in here. They want to be pleasing to me. They want to sing unto me. They want to forget. They, they got problems. I know you got issues. I know you got fears in your life and things, but they're coming to me. The Holy Spirit says, that's something I can associate with right now. So the Holy Spirit comes in your life and starts associating. And do you know what starts happening at that moment? You go in the Spirit. And when you go in the Spirit, you lose sight of your flesh. Worship should be when you hit that, when, when, there's, when, when you're hitting the ceiling in the Spirit. 
Or when you're hitting the ceiling in worship, you're trying to worship, but you just keep hitting the ceiling. Do you know what that's saying? That you have not gotten past the, under, uh, the, 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 the uh, consciousness of your flesh. There should be something that happens in the spirit where all of a sudden pff, you push past that flesh. You're no longer aware of it. You no longer have confidence in the flesh and your confidence becomes fully upon the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We got to work to get there. Sometimes it takes time, but I'll tell you, it'll take less time if you, each and every one of you, spouses and couples and, 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 and people here, you do it every day by yourself. You coming in, and instead of having to work hard to get there, everybody's there. Because sometimes the pastor wants to run. But I can't run because no one's running with me. And if I run, you won't run with me. And I'll be 60 miles down the road and you'll be just, where'd he go? Where'd the pastor go? He's preaching over our head. He's talking about things we don't understand. But if you'll worship God during the day, Father, I worship you. God, I praise you. Every day. You're push, pushing past that ceiling. Every day, you're getting past it. Every day, something's happening in your life. Then you'll find when we come together in a corporate gathering, the Holy Spirit quickly associates himself with us. I mean, he's always associated with you, but I mean it in a corporate setting. Amen? Amen. Someone look at your neighbor and say, worship God. Stay at your house. Okay. So Paul says in verse number four that I might have... Confidence in the flesh, and then he gives you reasons why he has confidence in the flesh. But what you're gonna, we're not going to go through those reasons tonight, although we could. But I want you to see here that when it comes to our worship, when it comes to worshiping God, you'll discover that what touches the heart of God is not your personal piety. Do you know one thing is that many times people fail in their worship to God is because they make rules and their own ways of keeping score. And then what they do is they try to live by these rules that they made up and try to keep the score by the rules that they keep score by. And they do it this way and they think that's how they please God. But they're not doing what God told them to do. Hello, somebody. The only way you're going to touch the heart of God is if you find out in Scripture how God desires to be worshipped and worship Him that way. And I'm not talking about serving God, you know, what He tells us to do to serve Him. He does tell us to help the poor. He does tell us to go out. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about worshipping God. Although service can be worshipped, what I simply mean is that when it comes to getting the Spirit and adoring God, is basically what I'm talking about when I mean worship tonight. I mean adoring God. When it comes to adoring God, you have to adore Him by the help of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's one thing for you to say, oh God, and then all of a sudden you start praising God and the Holy Spirit says, oh, he's praising God? Let me show him what to say. Let me take him past that realm. Let me take him into that secret place. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. I've been in situations before where I'm worshiping God and I'm telling you, it's like I go into dreamland, dream world. Everything around me starts to do, you know what I mean? You ever seen those movies? Where the person starts to dream and they make the screen start getting blurry and blurry and then they find themselves in another place. That's what happens when you worship. You're worshiping God. You're worried about this bill that came. You don't know how you're going to pay it. You're worried about the people that are acting crazy at your job. They're maligned against you. And then you start worshiping God. And then you're in a different place. 
And then God starts talking to you in that place. God starts revealing himself into that place. God starts empowering you from that place. Amen, somebody. That's what happens when you worship God. And how did it happen? Through the help and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, somebody. Okay, Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 3. Someone say, no confidence in the flesh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We, in this church, people are going to come in here. I want them to say, praise God. They worship by the Spirit. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 3. You guys, you lady, women, know this story. It says... In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But to Cain and his offering, he did not have respect. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. I mean, how would you like that to happen? I mean, God himself is walking among you and rejects you right then and there. Uh, that, that that would make my comp. How many have ever had someone you highly respected tell you um, uh, something negative? Kind of makes you feel bad a little bit. Can't you know? You just think about it for days on end. You ever have that happen? Someone tells you something, and oh man, oh man. I remember someone. I was at work, and someone told me your pants are wrinkled, and if you come here next time with pants like that, I'm sending you home. Oh, I didn't think about it. I didn't even know my pants were wrinkled. After days, I thought about it. I failed. I did something wrong. Think about how Cain fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? I always laugh at this statement. Uh, maybe because the God of the universe just didn't like my offering. <laughs> but I really do believe God was asking this question, not because he didn't know. I think he was trying to provoke Cain to, for, for an answer. To let Cain have to realize and see what Cain, if he was willing to admit to himself what the problem was. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou not do as well, sin lies at the door, and thou and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here's the problem here. We have messed this verse up. Because we believe that the reason why Cain's offering wasn't accepted, what do most people teach? Is because, well, you know, he didn't bring of the he didn't bring of the the, the, the the animals, you know, for a blood sacrifice. He brought vegetables, and God doesn't want vegetables, God wants a, a blood sacrifice. But here's the problem with that. There weren't sacrifices for the remission of sins until the law of Moses. Seriously. No one was making sacrifices before God instituted it into the Mosaic law. That you were going to take a lamb and you're going to make a lamb, a, a, a sin offering and a burn offering. Burn offering to please God. A sin offering and a trespass offering. They didn't have those back then. They were living under a different dispensation. You're supposed to go, if you want to go before the Lord, you're just supposed to bring God what's yours to be pleasing unto him. And it makes sense. Cain tilled the ground and Abel was the one that had offering. So what the problem was, God identifies the problem. He says, if you do well, shouldn't that now be accepted? In other words, the problem is, Cain, you offered this to me without your heart. Be it into it. Cain said, oh, Cain says, I got, I got, <clears throat> Cain probably looked at his offering, he says, hmm, let me see what I got here. Or, or, or Abel looked at his offering, he said, let me see what I got here. I got, I got a lamb, I got some cattle, I got a couple oxen, and um, <clears throat> I have some bad ones and I have some good ones, and I have some medium ones. But this is God. This is the God of the universe. 
He's God. He creates all things. I want to, didn't you want him to be on your side? And, and after all, God knows what I got. And God's able to give me more of what I got. Hello, somebody. So he says, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the best things that I got. I'm going to take the best sheep. I'm going to take the best oxen. I'm gonna, because after all, he created these things. Now I'm going to bring him before God because I want God to be on my side. So Abel comes, brings it, and God says, you know what, Abel, I've been taking inventory over you. This is the very best that you got. And because you gave me the best, that shows me your heart. Well, then here comes old Cain, and Cain has a dilapidated carrot. You know what a carrot looks like when you leave it out for too long, right? It starts to shrivel up and wrinkle up. You know, he has some raisins. And, you know, uh, God's like, well, I, I don't want raisins, I want grapes. You're giving me raisins. God don't want raisins. He wants your grapes. Well, I, you know, I got some, I, he's got an apple core in there somewhere. Right? He has a potato that's growing spouts off of it. He's got uh, a celery that's growing more stalks out of the ends. You know what celery looks like when it goes bad, right? Gets soft and flimsy, not crisp. You know, you want to, you know, in, in movies where they break people's bones, they break celery for that sound effect. I seen him do it on a show one time. Uh, they show how to make sound effects. That's what you want it to sound. You don't want to be able to bend celery and bend it and bend it and bend it and bend it and never break. It's bad then. God looked at Cain's celery and just started bending and said, "Wow, what is this? What is this? You give me the worst." And the problem is. Their heart is wrong. And here's the thing. When we come to worship God, we ain't bringing God, not at this church, not in your lives. Don't bring God raisins. Don't bring God an apple core that's turned brown. Hello, somebody. I'm trying to put you guys like, like you've never seen an apple core or an apple that has one bite in it. You know the apple that you take a bite and put it in the fridge? And then all of it, my, okay, my mom knows. Or, and then if somehow the milk and the, 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 your fruit drinks push it all the way in the back, you don't find it until two months later. That's what Cain's bringing to God. And we don't bring that to God because God's going to reject it. And it's not because God can't do it. God could touch the apple and make it a perfect apple. But the problem is God's going to say, this is what you think of me. You think I'm an apple core. You think I'm something rotten like this. Didn't even take the sticker off the apple either or wash it. Amen, somebody. You know, those stickers will get all over your clothes. You'll find them all over, the, all over the place, right? I found them on my bedroom floor the other day. I said, how did this apple sticker get here? Who's been eating apples in my room? Hello, somebody. We're going to give God the best that's in our heart because God desires to be worshipped. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 66. So before you go and worship God, before you get before the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, make sure you're offering God your best because He's a God that desires our best. That's when the pastor says, sing. We should sing from our best. That's why when we say, uh, uh, lift your hands to God, you should, every word that you say to God, you should put some meaning into it. Hello. All right, we're talking about the heart tonight. Isaiah chapter 66. I can see we'll do another week of this. I'm not getting nowhere fast. I'm getting nowhere fast tonight. Hallelujah. All right, Isaiah 66. Well, you have... Um, a plan in Isaiah to build God a temple. And this is when Israel wanted to rebuild the temple during the Babylonian exile. You know, it helps when... Let me just say this quickly. How many enjoyed our How to Study the Bible class? Some of y'all were there. It was pretty, fun. It was pretty nice. <clears throat> when you're reading the prophetic books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, the minor prophets, it helps to know what's going on. Right, Della? 
I mean, really, I mean, there's a lot of context in here. If you don't have, you, you ain't, I'm going to say it the street, you ain't not knowing <laughs> what is going on in these books. You're going to be lost in the sauce, and then you're going to start thinking it's something. It's not about, before, it's bad enough we go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and all the Gospels without having the understanding of the situation, the history of the day. But it's even worse trying to go into the prophetic books, because it can get tough. How was the last time you read Hosea? When was the last? How many read Hosea this year in 2015? Raise your hand. Ah, well, we got Beth. Beth, you messed up my illustration. I'm <laughs> How many have read the book of Hezekiah ever in their life? Raise your hand. Hezekiah. There's no book Hezekiah. See, y'all wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> you guys all, I laid the bear trap out and you just... Now, I'm a, next time you go, how many read the book? I read Hezekiah. Where? What, what, what Bible have you been reading? We got Zechariah, Malachi. It's okay. I've, I, but you know what? It's okay. I, I've fallen from it. You just see Kai at the end. You're like, it's got to be Jewish. I've read it. I swear I've read it sometime. <laughs> I'm going to read the book. I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm going to say, God, they're liars. The, 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 the congregation I have is a bunch of liars. <laughs> How y'all doing? Good. How would you think? Next time you tell me what you think of my, my sermon, you say, you did a good sermon. I say, yeah, you're the same person that said you read Hezekiah. <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing. All right. It says here in Isaiah chapter 66, verse number one, thus saith the Lord. Now, 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 now watch this. Now watch, watch what's going on here. Think about this now. You have Israel. The temple has been destroyed. They cannot practice Judaism. They cannot Practice Judaism without a temple. Hello. You cannot. This is why Christians today want to practice Judaism. You find a Christian that wants to practice Judaism. The first thing you can remind them is you can't practice Judaism without a temple. Oh, exactly. It gets you into some, you know, we're Christians. I don't celebrate Yom Kippur. I don't celebrate Rosh Hashanah. We'll never celebrate it here in the church. Because those are a type and shadow of things that are to come. I find it interesting that there's so many Christians, they don't even know about the Christianity that they have, but yet they want to go out and get a prayer shawl and pray under that every day. You don't need a prayer shawl, a Jewish prayer shawl to pray with. All you need is the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. And if you're using it to keep you warm, fine. But you don't need that. But I'm getting in touch with my roots. You're not a Jew. You have no roots in Judaism. Yeah, but that's Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. Well, that's okay, good for him. And I'm Italian half somewhere down the line. It doesn't mean, I mean, it's, a, it's a good for you to know the historical context, but you find out we're Christians. And I got news for you. If you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to not be in heaven. There's no dual covenants, people. Zero. That's why Paul says, I would give myself and be accursed that my Jewish brethren would be saved. Amen. I thought I'd just say that somehow. Well, the Jews say, well, you know, we want to build a temple. And, uh, and, and we want to big, do something big for God. We make them a big temple. You know, we want to do something for God. How about we make the temple again? That way we can practice our Judaism. And watch what it says here. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? And God's saying, well, why do, I need to, why do I need a temple? And then he says, 
For all those things hath my hand made, and those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look. In other words, you don't need a big giant temple. You don't need to rebuild this thing. I'm not looking at something that's big and massive and huge and gigantic. He says, I'll turn my face away from you. The person that I look at, the worship that I honor, is to him that is poor and of contrite spirit and trembles at my word. Hello, somebody. You say, well, how can you interpret that for today? Well, you know, God don't need a bunch of this exterior type of stuff for worship. It's not about what kind of building that we're in. It's not about what these stage lives look like. It's not about what this, all of this. You know, I saw a stage the other day and I said, man, it looks like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I thought it was. And I went to read the article. It was a church. I said, they have more lights going on, more spotlights. They just need a disco ball. That's all they need. But I'm, hey, listen, hey, I don't have no problem with lights, but let's not let it get in the way. And look what God says here. If your heart is not in it, he that kills an ox is as if he slew a man. Ooh, that's deep right there. You're saying that my sacrifice to you, God, if my heart is not in it, will be to you as murder? And then God says, well, he that sacrifices a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. You're telling me that it will be as the practice of the pagans? Well, you cut a dog's neck off for That's what pagans used to do. And then God says, basically, your worship will be no different than that of pagans between their deities. And he says, he that offers an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. You know, swines were unclean at that time. So you're saying that my worship that I'm trying to bring to you, that I'm supposed to be clean, if I don't make it with my heart, it's going to seem as something that's unclean and not pleasing to you. And then he says, he that burns incense as if he blessed an idol. Yeah, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abomination. So, you can have a temple. You can have a big thing in all the outward exteriors. But if your heart is not in the worship, it's rejected by God. And not only is it rejected, it's seen, oh my, it's seen as an offense against you. So he's not, usually at this point, if I preach this, this is not the first time I preach this message. At this point, people say, well, I'm afraid to worship now. I could go before God the wrong way. You shouldn't be afraid to worship. Because God said to you, yeah, I know how important worship is. But I'm going to give to them the mighty Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come in your life and join up with you he's going to associate with you he's going to come near you can someone say amen are you here did i just see some heads nodding amen see some heads nodding. and when he comes near you and joins up with you he's going to show you how to be of a contrite spirit and how it is that we as a body can worship the lord hello someone someone smile if god loves you go meet ephesians chapter 5 Is this a good word tonight? Yeah. We're going to worship God with our whole hearts. Glory to God. 
And, you know, before you get into worship, make sure your heart's right. And pay attention to the things that you're telling God. So you're not just doing it rote. Turn your cell phone off. I do believe you can pray to some measure with your phone. I do believe God hears it. You know, if you have to cook and pray at the same time, you can be occupied and pray in the Holy Ghost and pray in the Spirit. Yes, you can. I teach that. I remember one time, I, I've talked about this, I prayed 24 hours straight in tongues. And I went on my cell phone, and I walked through Walmart, and I did a couple other things, but I kept it going. I kept on tonguing. And my life was blessed after that. And it, it always is blessed. When you pray in tongues, your life, we'll talk about it, your life will be so blessed. The, you, you connect to the power of the Holy Ghost when you pray. How many can say that tongues, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many can say that tongues has changed your life? Amen. Praying in the Spirit changes your life. It illuminates the Word of God, causes it to open up in a way that you've never seen it, and empowers you for the service of the Lord. Yes? See? See? No? See? See? All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. It says, Drunk with wine. Look at your neighbor and say, Stop getting drunk. No, I'm teasing. But be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Now, I want to say this. If you're writing notes, you can take this down. Worship is, worship is the response, the response of a believing heart that adores God. I'm going to say it one more time. Worship is a believing, I'll say it this way. Worship is a believing heart responding in adoration to God. You believe in God. You have faith. You want to respond to God. So you adore Him. So when your heart is full of faith and full of love, you respond with worship to the Lord. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, Something begins to happen when you worship the Lord. Is that the word of God, this is good, this is good. The word of Christ comes to dwell in you richly in your midst. That's Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And this is what happens now in churches sometimes. And in our lives is that we, we, I thank God for this Bible. I thank God for, I thank God for this word of God. But the Holy Spirit is still speaking into our lives. What is God saying today? What is God saying right now? What is God saying at this moment? And the word of Christ is the ever-present mind and thoughts of God communicating to His people through the presence of His Holy Spirit. God has not stopped talking. God is sharing things with us this moment, this day. They don't contradict this Bible. They don't add to this Bible. They don't take away from it in any which way. But He has a plan for you. And he has a plan for me. He has a plan for the brother here. He has a plan for the brother over there. He has a plan for every single person. And the moment you worship God and you start giving to God your praise and your adoration, do you know what will start happening? Is the presence of God starts to associate with what's going on and you start hearing God clearly. I was with a pastor today and he was talking about when his word of knowledge began to increase. 
a word of knowledge is God's mind concerning a situation that is in the past. It would be being able to know something that happened to somebody in the past or something that happened in the past supernaturally by the Spirit. You might be able to look at someone and say, uh, you know, your father was an alcoholic. How did you know that? The Lord showed me. That's a word of knowledge. Okay. That's not prophecy. Prophecy is speaking to people for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Not necessarily foretelling anything. Word of knowledge is knowing something in the past. And sometimes when you're ministering to someone with prophecy, the word of knowledge is mixed with it. Okay, it happens that way. Amen. Amen. And I said, how do you, you get accurate with yours? He said, well, spending time with God. He said, exercising my faith. He said, worship and prayer. And reading the word. And I started thinking about when he said reading the word of God. And he's absolutely right. Because when you study the Bible, the word of God, you study it. You, you get in it. I'm going I'm to get into the word of God today. I don't mean just, you know, you sit in your car before the, the doors at Starbucks opens and you have 10 minutes. I don't mean that. I mean, you take time to invest every day into the word of God. What will start happening is you studying studying, and all of a sudden all these ideas start coming to you. You know, I never thought about that. Yeah, I never did think about that. Here you are studying the book of Romans, and all of a sudden you're thinking about, yeah, I need to call that company to help me build my deck. Yeah, you know what? We need, I, I need to do that. Uh, we need to do this from my house. Yeah, I never did think about applying there for work. And you think that your mind is wandering. It's not wandering. The Holy Ghost is talking to you. God's word, the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly. Here comes God and he's talking loudly to you. Hello, somebody. Write those things down. Take them down. Jot them down. And then step out on those things by faith. That's God's word dwelling in you richly. And when we come together in worship, after we've presented our hearts right before Lord, the Lord, we start worshiping, God, we worship you, we praise you, Lord. All of a sudden, we're worshiping, we present our heart right together in corporate worship. Here we are as a church on Sunday morning, we come together. You know, let me show you, this is how you know God's going to talk inside of a service. This is how you know God's going you know to do something big in the, in the church that morning or in the church that night. People come walking in the service and they can't wait for it to start. People come walking to service with an anticipation inside of them. They want to just throw themselves into worship. They want to hear the preacher. What has he got to say? I want to hear the word of God. They, they want something to happen because they're expecting something from God. They don't just kind of walk in. Where's, where's the pastor at? You're not here yet? Where's he at? What's he doing in his office? Eating? Hmm? What's he doing? No, no, no. When you come in that way, if I come in, I'll say I'll use me. If I come in that way, you'll know I haven't been anywhere this week. Hello? I'll say it. If I come in that way, you will know your pastor has not been anywhere, I mean in the spirit, this week. But if I come in, I got that look in my eye. Let's start the service. Let's get to going. 
What's pastor up to? Why is he? Because I've been somewhere and I want you to come. I want you to be there with me. Because we're going somewhere in the spirit this morning. Yes. But if I ain't been nowhere and you ain't been nowhere, we ain't going nowhere. But if I've been somewhere and you've been somewhere and God's been taking us there, we're going to come together and we're going somewhere. Amen. So take the training wheels off and let's go. And guess what? Worship will be prophetic. The preaching will be prophetic, not pathetic. Hello. It will be. You say, what is prophetic? You mean we're going to walk around with flags and smack each other with them? No. You mean we're going we're gonna to yell out and scream? No. I mean that there will be a fresh sound from God. There will be a fresh word from God. I don't even know if I should go here with it tonight, but I'm going to try. Look what it says in Hebrews, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. It says, look what happens. Look what happens. See, the reason why, listen, the reason why, the reason why we have had dead church is because we haven't done it by the Spirit. Done it by the flesh. The reason why there's no fruit, we've done it by the flesh. And be not drunk with wine, where in Zexus, be filled with the Spirit. What happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Numero uno. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So watch. There is a vertical action that takes place. I'm filled, you're filled, we speak to each other. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That means spontaneity. These are not things that we have sung in the past. I mean, it's okay to sing songs that we sung in the past. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But when, when it says that you are singing spiritual songs, this is... Uh, I'll say it like this, the early church, the ancient church, the church of antiquity, they were, they did things by the Spirit, and they were characterized by music. How many can say here, now I want an honest answer, I'm not, this is not a trick question, this is not a trick question. How many have ever seen, other than the book of Psalms, and other than the song of Deborah, that you see in Judges, any type of music in the Bible, a song, lyrics to a song, Raise your hand. Wouldn't it be cool if I told you there was lyrics to music in the Bible? What would you think if I told you that? think it was pretty neat. At least, Kayla, would you think it's neat? Okay. How about I show you some lyrics that are in the Bible? Would you like to see that? Go with me. Two. Some of y'all think that I must have had too many juices today. Go with me Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. It, it shouldn't take you long to get there. It should be on the same page. 5.14 Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It say here, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. And I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15. 
saying here, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones and dominions and principalities and powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things might have the preeminence. How many caught all that? point is not to break down what this says. You know that this is proven fact, that these three verses that I just read to you were songs that were sung in the early church. These are the lyrics to songs. These are the lyrics. This, this is what the early church was singing in the worship services. These songs here? Awake. That sleep, Christ shall give you light. Christ was uh, um, before all things, by him all things. Notice what the focus of this stuff is. It is on Jesus. Right? It's about the mysterious Christ and his, his, his revelation. And you'll see that when the Holy Spirit starts working in a church... When the Spirit of God starts working in a ministry, when the Spirit starts working in your life and inspiring you and filling you, the center becomes Jesus. That's when the anointing of God starts taking place in the church, when the preaching is about Jesus. And when your conversation between one another is about Jesus. And you can't take it no more because the more the Holy Spirit is showing you about Jesus, you start to realize what a great God you have and what good things He's done for you. And not only about that, the hope that He's promised you in heaven and how wonderful and phenomenal the promise of God is in heaven. He starts revealing to you everything that is in the plan of God. And you just can't take it anymore. You get caught up into glory. Glory to God, hallelujah. How did our songs become so just away from God? I don't know. I don't know. But I would venture to say we didn't do it by the Spirit. Is it possible? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Is it possible that maybe artists that wanted to try to appeal to the secular and the Christian industry wrote lyrics to appeal to both so you don't know who they're talking about? There's something sweet and wonderful about the name of Jesus. And there's something even sweeter about saying that by him all things were created. Oh, 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 you put a lot of people out in the dark with that one. By him all things are created. You, you mean not by the prophet Muhammad? Nope. And by him all things consist. You mean we've been created? Yeah. You mean we didn't come from evolution? No. You mean uh, you, there's, there's absolute truth? Yep. You mean to tell me that if I don't believe in Jesus, I'm going to hell? Precisely. Oh, I ain't going to like to hear that one. What happened to our backbone, our guts? The Holy Spirit's the most bold thing in the world. He'll tell you something so the Holy Ghost will smack you across the face with truth. And you won't even feel that he did it because he's so loving and kind while he's doing it. Amen. You know, we don't have to be antagonists. I'm writing a chapter in my book right now. Well, I'm not writing it. I'm editing it. And it's about antagonizing people. You know, it's not smart to go around and just telling people they're going to hell. Don't do that. That's antagonizing people. That's like going up to someone and going, push, push, and not expecting to get punched in the face. You're going to get hit? Yeah, even if they're a Christian, they're going to smack you. You don't have to do that. But the Holy Spirit is so kind. You can drop that truth on someone if he leads you to do it, and they'll start crying. And they'll feel the love of God. 
the love of God. God's got you dangling by the neck. He can just drop you into the pit of hell if he wants, and you'll feel the love of God. Because you won't be focused on hell. You'll be focused on that hand that's got you right by the neck. And you'll realize he's not trying to drop you. He's trying to pull you back. Amen. Glory to God. This Bible, I'm surprised how it stayed together all these years. Glory to God. So when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit of God is associated with us in worship, the first thing is that we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't that beautiful? You know, some churches, they don't, they don't speak to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They speak to themselves in, in cussing and swearing and slurs. Not here. Not in your home. We want people to walk in. What's that look like? I mean, what does that actually look like? You know, you got maybe Sister Latanya at the front. Service hasn't started yet. She's passing out the things. And she's going, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. I worship you, Jesus, because you saved me and you made me bold. I don't know, something like that. Right? And then you got, you got, you know, who do you want, who I want to pick on? I'm going to pick on Della. Then you got, <laughs> and then you got Della. And she's down there going, oh, I worship you, King of Kings. I worship you, Lord of Lords. You are mighty and true. There's no one like you. Where'd she get that song from? The Holy Spirit. Some of y'all like that song ain't from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then you got me in my office, and I'm got I'm somewhere with the song. And see what's happening now is that there's a prophetic spirit that's in the place. We think prophetic means doom the Shemitah years. Shemita Shemata, okay? We think that no 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 no. Yes, listen, listen. That ain't the pro the gloom and doom on this America. No. No. Sorry. Prophetic means the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. Showing and leading and guiding and producing. I'm not trying to make light of stuff. But I'm tired of just the gloom and doom messages. I told you the other night when I preached at the combined services that a lot of bad things was going to happen inside of the world. Uh, signs in the sky and the stars. And there was going to be things that happen amongst us. And there are... Do you know how many times it's collapsed? Do you know how many financial collapses this world has gone through? Tons. Just because Russia is invading the Ukraine doesn't mean the end of all things has now drawn nigh. Do you know how many times that Russia and Europe has changed its borders since the 1400s? There's a YouTube video on it. Hundreds of times. Not every time it meant the end of the world. You know what? I don't know when the end of the world is coming, and I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I do know one thing. I'm a soldier of Jesus. I'm going to stand. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to go about my business. I'm going to watch that moon turn red on Sunday. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to put it on Instagram, and I ain't going to be worried about zip, zero, or zilch, because it's not going to change how I act. Hello, someone. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, don't let anybody judge you when it comes to meat or drink or in the keeping of feasts or new moons. For such are things are only shadows of things that are to come. In other words, all that stuff to him was irrelevant. Amen, somebody. I don't want people to just, I, I, you know, I, I don't know whether to hope something happens or not. I mean, if nothing happens, good, but we all look stupid if nothing happens. Hello. I'm going to leave it alone. But don't get led astray. I don't mean that it's necessarily being led astray with false doctrine. I mean, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. 
I'm only saying that because there's a lot of people now that are so worried, calling me. What's going to happen on September 28th? I don't know. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to check the news. I'm going to go about my business. What if the stock market collapses? Well, then I don't know. I'll, I'll pray the offering doesn't get hurt. <laughs> I want Jesus to come. I, 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 really, I really want Jesus to come. I want him to come quickly. That's Maranatha. You know, some people today in the church, <clears throat> what do you mean you want Jesus to come? <clears throat> I want him to come. Do you want Jesus to come? Yeah, I want Jesus to come. But if they're really honest, not until I get married. <clears throat> not, until I, not until I find my house. Not until I live my dream life. Then I want Jesus to come. Mm-mm. If your heart... Uh, I'm going to do... <clears throat> I was... Uh, where was I at this week? The Lord told me to uh, do a series before the end of the year on the coming of Jesus. We're going to talk about the coming of Jesus here at this church. <clears throat> and it's not going to be predicting it. It's going to be talking about what His coming will be like and how we should live in light of His coming. But you know what the real bottom line is? If you do not... Oh, this is, I just hear the Holy Ghost tell me this. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If you don't desire the coming of the Lord more than any other thing, then you love the things of this world too much. Amen. How do you know you love the things of this world too much? Because you'd rather have that than the coming of Jesus. But I've never gotten married. I'm a virgin. Well, it's tough. I can give that up to go to heaven and be with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, I've never... Uh, oh, 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 I want to be famous. You want to know the Lord told me about fame one time? I never, I never, never was tempted with fame again. I mean, not that I was ever tempted. I mean, who am I? But <clears throat> the Lord told me, well, I just say it like this. Ever since I met Jesus, I have not been really impressed with nobody. If you impressed by men, you ain't impressed with God. Because when you meet Jesus, it diminishes all of this so-called fame. If Jesus walked in the door right now, Kim and Kanye would look like nobodies. Who Kim, Kim and Kim and who Kim and Kit Kat? Who are you talking about? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm telling you, Jesus is wonderful. And when the Spirit, I have to finish this all next week. When now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at PO Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan 48390, or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.